Hello and welcome to Profiling Risk. This is your host, Tony Canyas, and today I have with me Kate Stillwell, the president of... Okay, so I'm, I just confused myself. Okay, hold on. So I'm the founder of Jumpstart Insurance, uh-huh. and Jumpstart was bought by Neptune. So now, oh, okay. So I'm still the founder of Jumpstart Insurance because you don't ever not not be a founder. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm now also the president of Parametric Insurance at Neptune. Okay, and 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 what about Firebreak? You're also the co-founder of Firebreak, and you're still doing that too. Yes, that's very new, and let's not um, let's not introduce that until later on in the. In okay, the- per- perfect. So so. Let's 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 do a duo. Rewind. All right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Profiles in Risk. This is your host Tony Canyas, uh, and I am uh, not in my usual place. So I don't have my my fancy camera. I don't have my fancy microphone. I am uh, kind of uh, old style uh, because I am out of town. I'm visiting my brother-in-law in, uh, in Minnesota, escaping away from the, the heat of Atlanta in the summer. Uh, and today I have, I have, uh, and I'm pitching a, do- a double hitter. I just recorded another episode, so I'm, I'm pretty tired. Uh, so, and today I have with me, uh, Kate Stillwell, who is the founder and CEO of Jumpstart Insurance, which was recently acquired by Neptune. And so she's now the president of Neptune parametric insurance. Uh, so so I, I hope that I got that right. Uh, Kate, thank you for joining me today. How's it going? My pleasure, Tony. I'm really happy to be here on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Awesome. Awesome. And, and, and you, you're in the Bay, right? Yes. Yes. I'm sitting here in my uh, home office in Berkeley, California. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I, I, um, I lived in California for two years, one of those years in Berkeley, and had so much fun. The Bay is such just a beautiful place. And people say that, that it's always cold. I found it to be always comfortable. Uh, so in the middle of August, I'm guessing that you've got just about perfect weather, maybe just a little bit chilly. It's just another day in paradise. And I got to tell you, I was out traveling a little bit this summer in some warmer weather. And to come back to the Bay with the, the morning fog, uh, with the nice cool weather was just such a respite. I, I, I agree completely. Absolutely love the Bay. Uh, heading out there for uh, CPCU into risk uh, this year in November. Uh, we'll, we'll be in San Francisco. So, so super excited to go back. It's been, uh, it's been a good like six years since we moved and a good like two years, I think, since I visited it. Uh, so, so, it's, so it's, been, it's been a while. In fact, I, probably three years because it, it, last time I went had to, ha, has to have been before COVID. So, so anyway, very, very excited to, to visit again. So cool. We all... Well, we should hook up while you're uh, there. Well, well, not hook up. But we should meet up while you're here. Um, definitely not hook up. <laughs> uh, because I'll be speaking at InterRisk about parametric insurance. Perfect. I will definitely be there for your session at at uh, at InterRisk, and I'll, I'll 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 I'm very easy to recognize. I'll be there wearing a top hat and a red jacket, uh, and I will definitely come over and, and say hi and thank you for coming on the on the podcast. Uh, okay, awesome. So, so uh, we always give the the uh, guest the chance of uh, of giving the elevator pitch. What is uh, Jumpstart? Thank you. Jumpstart introduced parametric insurance to consumers. 
And parametric, as your listeners know, means a lump sum of money is dispersed immediately upon occurrence of a predefined trigger or parameter, which is why it's called parametric. And Jumpstart's flagship product is a $10,000 payment that uh, our customers receive after a major earthquake. Uh, and $10,000 is obviously not enough to rebuild a house in California, but it is enough to get a jump start on the recovery process, uh, thus the name, and pay for the incidental expenses of disruption that happen after every chaotic event. Okay, so, so the, the parametric is, is, is a very cool idea. Uh, and, and by the way, CPCU, when I did it in 2011, never mentioned the word parametric. Uh, I learned about it through a guest that was doing something related to, to parametric here on Profiles. And uh, it's such an interesting idea. Uh, and it's taken me years to really get my head around why it's important. But I think that the example of California earthquake is maybe the easiest one to explain why it's important, right? So, so San Francisco got hit by, by, by the big one, what was it, 1906? Mm -hmm. uh, right, and, and we've been waiting for the next one ever since, right? And now, 1906, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was a uh, an event kind of like Hurricane Andrew when it comes to its effect in the insurance industry. Both mm -hmm. of those almost bankrupted the industry, right? Bankrupted many companies. Uh, so hopefully, when when and if the the big one does happen, whether it's in California or in whatever other uh, a seismic area. I'm from Costa Rica, so I, I'm, I'm used to, to, to earthquakes. I lived through several uh, six and seven point earthquakes back, back in, in Costa Rica when I was growing up. Uh, and and uh, so part of the problem with, with earthquake is it's catastrophic. So, so, so everybody's affected, right? Everybody mm -hmm. in, a, in a region is affected. And, and it's, it's hard to insure. Uh, you have to reinsure it. Uh, and it's hard to adjust because if you know 10,000 homes in, in San Francisco get damaged at the same time, we just don't have enough adjusters to look at them quickly, right? So, so, so the problem is, is, is the long-term problem is where you're properly covered, right? The, the short-term problem is what do I do if it takes three months for the adjuster to be able to look at my house? Yes, and that so the immediacy and the automaticity of the parametric payout makes so much sense in this world where there's so much um, over demand for the limited resources of, of labor supply um, mm -hmm. that are needed for adjusting uh, an insurance claim. But there are other benefits uh, too of parametric, and you know a lot of the uh, proponents of parametric like to shout from the rooftops about the immediacy of the payment. And you, know, you don't have to have a parametric product to be able to pay right away. There's ways of financing um, insurance. And you know, Dorothy is doing an interesting um, insure tech play with financing indemnity products or indemnity products themselves can make advanced payments. What we've found in Jumpstart is the most salient uh, feature that our customers like best is the lack of arbitration. So yes, there's the, the time element. Yes, there's the um, um, knowing exactly how much you're gonna get. 
Um, but there's also the, there is no human judgment in figuring out whether or not these expenses are eligible. You just get the money. So this feeling of certainty, almost a guarantee-like feeling of knowing exactly how much and under what circumstances, and it's just completely automated. Psychologically, it's gigantic. It's peace of mind. So for, for listeners that, that are not in California, they probably won't even know the, the meaning of the letter CEA, right? Uh, so so w- what is the CEA? And, and you haven't actually mentioned CEA, but, but what is CEA and how does, how does it play with uh, what you guys are doing? Yeah, thanks for asking because it fits right into your former comment that earthquake is sort of a, a natural um, peril for parametric. So CEA stands for the California Earthquake Authority. This is a privately funded, publicly managed organization that arose after the 1994 earthquake in Northridge, California, in Southern California, it was a magnitude 6.7. It did not almost bankrupt the industry, but it did cause losses that were um, multiple, multiple times greater than what the industry had previously modeled for an earthquake of that size in that location. And so what happened is that um, the, er, the homeowners uh, um, carriers at that time um, pulled out of writing earthquake coverage. And yet at the same time, there was this overwhelming demand for earthquake coverage immediately after the earthquake. And uh, so the, um, the, the public legislature stepped in and said, okay, anybody, if you still want to write homeowners, you have to write earthquake. And so then that caused a lot of carriers to step back and not even write any homeowners insurance in California. So there became this crisis of unavailability of any homeowners insurance, much less earthquake insurance. And so that's when the state stepped in and said, okay, we're gonna create this um, organization that can hold all of the earthquake risk and all of the participating carriers can offload the earthquake risk onto this entity, which is privately funded by premium. It's all risk-based premium. Um, and, uh, and then that's what will, by participation in the CEA, then we will allow these carriers to come write homeowners, excluding earthquake. If they wanna buy, uh, if the policyholder wants to buy earthquake, they can add it on through their homeowners carrier, but it is a CEA policy. It is um, administered by the homeowners carrier, but the, all of the risk is borne by the California Earthquake Authority. What ended up happening is that the price of earthquake coverage, because now it was risk-based, based on these better models, um, was many times higher than it ever had been before on a, on a rate online basis. And so what used to be a 29% take up rate for earthquake, because earthquake hasn't ever been mandatory for homeowners. Game, two and a half percent. Yeah, is now, um, you know, it's slightly more than 10%, but it hovered around um, eight to 10% for about 25 years and only recently has now edging up to 11 and a half percent, something like that. But what that means is that nine out of 10 Californians has no money coming to them after an earthquake. And so, but this is only one of three problems, right? Problem one is the massive protection gap of uninsured people. Um, Problem number two is public aid. Some people think that FEMA is gonna come bail them out, but FEMA is the first to admit that you should not rely on public funds. Whatever they do provide is going to be too little, too late for all of the Mm time-based problems that we talked about before, this this surge in demand. Um, 
And the third problem is that people don't have a lot of savings, right? So compared to 50 years ago, um, there's more than 50% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck with zero savings. And this is not the poorest of the poor. This is the people in our neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. um, but we, they spend what they have and they make ends meet. The cost of living in the Bay is very, very high. Ridiculous, so these yeah. three factors create this perfect storm of not having enough economic stimulus after a natural disaster. And that's the biggest power of insurance in general. That's the, that's the purpose of insurance in society, right? But parametric in particular is to provide, to engage private market capital to be deployed as economic stimulus in the time when everybody needs it at once. Okay, there was, there was a lot there. Yes. Uh, and and uh, I learned a lot. I, I'm, I'm a giant insurance nerd. And, and yet I, I, I learned a lot there. Uh, so, so first of all, let's kind of go step by step. I had no idea that CEA was ac actually risk-based while NFIP is, is not, historically has not been. So, so interesting that, that while they were both politically created and politically maintained, uh, they, they exist by law, whether it's federal or in a particular state, um, CEA because it's risk based is doing fine. Then, then again, see, like they haven't been hit by a big one. We'll see how they do after a big one, right? Uh, but but that's very very interesting. I never thought about the fact that CEA was risk based and and the NFIP, the National Flood Insurance Program, is not. Uh, the other thing that really caught caught my attention is why was Northridge so 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 if the San Francisco uh, earthquake in 1906 almost bankrupt the, 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 the industry. If uh, Andrew uh, almost bankrupted several companies, maybe not the whole industry, but several companies, and many companies left Florida, Andrew was the same year or within a couple of years before, I think maybe the same year, maybe a couple of years after uh, Northridge. So why wasn't Northridge that damaging to the insurance industry? Because like like the Southern California property is very, very expensive property. So I'm just curious. A 6.7 is not a major, it's a, it's a major earthquake, but it's not the big one. Okay, oh, okay, 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 okay. So, so 1906 it, was, was. 1906 was 7.8. So oh, the holy crap. Okay. Yeah, so the difference between a 6.7 and a 7.8 is about 20,000 times more yes. powerful. So for, for those of you who are listening, who have never, like, like, my reaction, that is the reaction of somebody who grew up in a seismic area and who understands, even though I don't speak math, that the, uh, the, the, the Richter scale is a logarithmic scale, right? Yes, correct. Uh, so, so, so yeah, it's exponential. It's, it's not linear, right? A seven is a lot stronger than a six. Yeah. Uh, and somewhere between six and seven, things go from scary to petrifying. Uh -huh. And anything above a seven is just nightmare inducing in anybody who's ever been in an earthquake. Okay, so, so, so 1906 was a 7.8? Yes, almost an eight. Yes. I had no idea. And yeah, so, so that is a like, I'm guessing we, we have a 7.8 once in a century, in any, somewhere, in the, somewhere in the planet, once in a century kind of thing. It's a little more frequent than that, but um, uh, in a populated area, yes, once in a century. In the middle of the ocean, once a decade. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, big ocean. 
Uh, okay, thank you. Thank you. Super interesting. Uh, holy crap. Like, like I'm going to have nightmares. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Northridge, it was the, the shaking was very intense for the people mm -hmm. who live in San Fernando ba Valley, but it was a gentle swaying in most of the rest of the LA basin. So the, the, the magnitude of the losses in the insurance industry was mm, somewhere around 20 billion in, mm -hmm. um, in, in 1994 dollars, um, which is, you know, an order of magnitude less than Andrew um, and maybe two orders of magnitude less than what San Francisco would have been in 1994 dollars. Okay. So, so go, go, going back to to uh, to Jumpstart. So how is Jumpstart distributed, and, and has that changed post Neptune acquisition? Thank you so much for asking, because that's actually sort of like the weakest link of figuring out how to expand parametric beyond large catastrophe bonds and getting it into the hands of consumers who really um, stand the most to benefit from filling this protection gap. So when we found a jumpstart, it was absolutely mission driven to get um, this product to the people. Uh, and so we went out of the gate with a direct-to-consumer model only, not that we were excluding agents, but we wanted very much to make a statement, this is a product for individuals to be able to build their financial resilience and um, have the means to be able to plow back and stick it out and stay and help their neighbors when the big one comes. Um, and the direct model is challenging for many reasons that are documented on your show and uh, and in other in other posts. Um, but nevertheless, you know, one of the success stories that we had from direct is having gone to disaster preparedness fairs. We have a um, and I'll get around to answering the rest of the question about how are we distributing now. But uh, just as a side note, this is fun. Uh, we have an earthquake simulator. It's a trailer that we tow behind a pickup truck and uh, it's on hydraulic actuators, the same mm -hmm. technology as low riding cars. And uh, so people, yeah. <laughs> and so people get in to the trailer and we tell them to, you know, hold on because the earthquake might happen at any moment, you know, and then the, then the, the operator starts shaking the trailer. Uh -huh. And uh, then we experience this, uh, the same intensity as a magnitude seven, but only for eight seconds. So a real magnitude seven is going to last like, 60 seconds or more and so that's why it becomes that's why the trailer and, is fun and not the thing of nightmares and, and is it side to side or is it up and down yes and yes and yeah. it tilts because so it, up and down side and to side tilts. side to side the other way and it tilts okay okay so for those who don't live in seismic areas like you probably had no idea that earthquakes can be side to side or up and down side to side is scary up and down it, there are no words like it, it's hard to even walk or run to a safe place because it 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 it, it affects your your balance uh it's absolutely awful uh to 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 be in an, in an up and down six plus pointer uh is this movement also does that happen in earthquakes or is that just a feature of of, of, of the simulator well, if you think about waves on the earth, okay. as the waves are, are, are moving the earth, there's absolutely a tilting motion, just like waves on the ocean. Oh, I am so glad that I'm no longer living either in Costa Rica or, or, or in, like, like I, I'm definitely afraid of earthquakes. Like, I, I got traumatized by, by my childhood, basically. Yeah. Um, okay.
So we have uh, this earthquake simulator, uh-huh. and we, we've been we've taken it to um, disaster preparedness fairs, mostly pre-COVID, none since COVID. And we get to meet the general public. And, you know, we get, you know, several hundred people through the trailer over the course of the day. And uh, we meet lots of community members, some of whom are responsible for their neighborhood, emer- their neighborhood emergency response team. So it's a group of a few blocks. That's probably why they're there at the fair, yeah. Yeah, they keep all the emergency supplies at their house. And, uh, and one of the surprising things that we found out afterward because we called up a whole bunch of customers whenever they sign up we try to give them a follow-up call to learn what they how they found out about us what they understand about us where we could improve etc cetera, etc cetera. and a surprising number of these calls how did you find out about us we found out about you from bob oh we found out from jessica these are people their neighbors that they trusted mm-hmm. um that had gone and attended the disaster preparedness fair and met us there so maybe they rode the trailer maybe they didn't um but we were astounded at how powerful this word of mouth is especially in communities um where that are not uh, as served, that are underserved by the insurance industry. So communities of color, um, communities of lower income folks um, who put a first of all, two, so two lessons. One of all, one of lesson is they really trust a sort of central um, neighborhood uh, spokesperson. Mm-hmm. And second of all, they, they, they value more than, more than the sort of the common insurance buyer, they value this lack of arbitration uh, so that there's no that sort of like big company looking over their shoulder and discriminating. Yeah, right? so, so, they, and they, so they don't trust the adjuster. They, they don't trust the insurance company. They're used to getting uh, the, the short end of the stick for, from big institutions, both governmental and, and private. Yes. Uh, so, that is so interesting. Uh, that it would it really uh, affirmed and reinforced our original mission that parametric is one of the ways to build social equity and we didn't even expect that it, even in the distribution there would be this this um social equity component of getting parametric out there that that is absolutely fascinating okay so so today uh is it distributed via via the the broker space also Yes. So we were acquired by Neptune Flood uh-huh. uh, in October of 2021. Mm-hmm. Very, very uh, great acquisition. Super happy to be part of the Neptune team. It's a small team, just like the Jumpstart team. And we really have a meeting of the minds. Um, flood, like Earthquake, is very, um, rec- like, it's a good opportunity to build par- parametric. And the, the some of the success that Neptune has had with their indemnity flood product Will we will be able to expand in the future to an indemnity? Oh, okay, okay. So, so, so this is this is super important. So, for those of you newer to insurance, for listeners newer to insurance, there's a radical difference between parametric and indemnity. Parametric is here's your payout, uh, and and uh, you know go take care of what you need to take care of today. Indemnity is your normal insurance product of actually helping you repair the house. So, so little by little, you're moving towards a private competitor to CEA, kind of the same way that, that Lamparelli built Rethought to be a private competitor to, to NFIP. No, I wouldn't characterize it as okay. little by little, we're moving that direction. Parametric is our focus, period, oh, okay, okay, okay. we'll stop. In addition, we'll add on this indemnity as an, uh, another product category and see whether or not people buy it in the same way that okay. uh, folks are interested in, um, in Neptune. 
is is private earthquake insurance uh, indemnity earthquake insurance is, is that a reality today anywhere in the world? Yes, in California, about ten percent of the private of the earthquake policies are sold by private earthquake companies, and there are two major players. One is Palomar, and okay. the other is GeoVera. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. It, there is private earthquake insurance available in Mexico uh, to a select clientele. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, in New Zealand, there is private market um, earthquake insurance, but like California, the vast majority of New Zealand uh, earthquake insurance for homeowners is through the um, uh, EQC, Earthquake Commission. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, since, since it is now broker distributed and, and, and we half our listeners are brokers, why should brokers offer this extra product to, to, to their clients? Yeah, thank you. So Neptune distributes almost exclusively through their broker and agent channels. Um, and we didn't cut off the Jumpstart direct to consumer. But one of the things we're very excited about is Jumpstart is also now available on the agent portal and broker portal that Neptune's um, thousands of agents log into every day. Um, the sales script for the agents selling um, a Jumpstart policy is, well, have you thought about, so since you live in California, have you thought about earthquake? Oh yeah, but it's always so expensive. I'm never gonna buy earthquake. Well, lucky for you, there's a new type of earthquake coverage that pays you just this fixed amount of money so you know exactly what you're getting and you can use it for any reason at all, whether it's to uh, repair damage or whether it's to um, you know, pay for PTSD therapy and anywhere in between. Uh, Oh, interesting. Tell me more. Okay, well, the cost is, you know, in the few hundred dollars per year for premium, and you get a payout of 10,000, and you can ramp that up to 20,000 too. Um, and obviously, and they have to say this, $20,000 is not enough to rebuild your house. It's not total loss coverage. Uh, so it's not a substitute for a CEA policy, but it is enough to get a jumpstart, which is why it's called Jumpstart. And so that's one sales script. And another sales script might be something like, uh, have you, since you live in California, have you considered, oh yeah, I have the CEA coverage. Oh, that's, that's so great. Um, uh, tell me how, what you think about, you know, how you feel about the deductible. A, a standard deductible on a CEA policy is, is 10 or 15%. Um, and it costs a lot of money, a lot more in premium to get that down to 5%. And, you know, a lot of people will say, that's okay. I can cover the, the a 10% deductible with my savings, but you know, on, on my house, um, and I have a two bedroom, two bath house, modest house, a 15% deductible is going to cost me more than $100,000. So, you know, people might say, well, actually, that's a pretty steep deductible. Yeah. Um, and so then the agent can say, well, you know, this parametric policy can, um, is one way to help mitigate the effects of the deductible. I mean, it's not, you know, one for one, it's not mm -hmm. a deductible buyback product, but it can help cover those costs. Okay. Uh, and is, is it like a 5% co uh, commission to the agent or, or like, like how does the agent get compensated for for uh, for a jumpstart uh, policy? Yeah, the agents get uh, a, a, the standard commission that is offered by Neptune as an MGA, which is twelve uh, percent. Oh, okay, that's pretty decent. Yes. I mean, it's 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 a small premium, but it's the right thing to do for for your clients. Yep. Uh, and and it it does uh, it definitely helps you keep the client if if something goes wrong, right? Absolutely. Okay.
Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I am super curious on, so I'm assuming that the product hasn't been tested yet. I'm assuming there, there hasn't been a single payout yet because I don't remember a single big enough earthquake in the last few years in, in California. There was one in Napa while I was still living there back in, uh, in 2014, probably. Uh, but boys, I remember the, the, the images on TV of well, broken wine bottles. Uh, but I don't even know if it was like a six pointer. Uh, oh, oh, that's a good question. Uh, how, how strong does the earthquake have, have to be in, or, in order to, to get to, for, the, for the payout to happen? Yeah, so each um, jumpstart has its own criteria. I'm not saying, not every earthquake parametric policy, like if somebody else were to develop an earthquake parametric policy, this is not the standard, it's just jumpstarts yeah. uh, metric. Um, but it is a, it's the intensity of the ground shaking. Um, and it corresponds to the, sm the, the smallest Richter magnitude that's going to cause an intense ground shaking is about a magnitude six. And so we point to the 2014 magnitude 6.0 earthquake in Napa mm -hmm. as an example. And we say, in that case, uh, the, the payout zone would have been the whole Napa Valley, but it would not have extended all the way down to Oakland and Berkeley or mm -hmm. over to Santa Rosa, which mm -hmm. makes sense because in Napa Valley, there were work closures, there were school closures, there were like- Yeah, there was no damage to the that Bay were left on. There was, yeah, mm -hmm. there yeah. was chaos. Um, but the, the ground velocity that we use as this shaking intensity measure corresponds to the maps. And that's why it's intuitive for the customers. Because after every earthquake, the USGS publishes these color-coded maps. And you see it go from like dark red to red to orange to, to yellow to green to blue. So the, the shaking intensity of 30 centimeters per second of ground velocity is the red and orange area of the shake map. So it's super intuitive. That's how we explain it. It's the red area of the shake map. I don't go into that whole explanation with consumers. They say, what's the payout zone? I say, have you ever seen a shake map? Yeah, it's the red zone of the shake map. Oh, I get it. Okay. So is shake map, the, the, like, the, does, the, does the U.S. geological uh, I can't survey. Remember the name of, survey, do they call it the shake zone? Is, is that the technical name? So the, the, the product map? name of their map is called shake map. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good job. To, good job to them naming it. What, what, what the, uh, what, what, what the customer would call it. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And, and, and my, my next question was going to be, but, but you just answered it basically. What, 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 what was going to be, how do you finance this thing when all of the payouts happen at the same time? But, 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 but I, I get it, right? Like it, you're insuring all of California and only a small piece of it is going to get hit. Right. So even in like a magnitude 7.8, like the 1906 scenario, um, yeah, everybody in the Bay Area is going to be eligible for their Jumpstart payout, but not in Southern California. In fact, in Southern California, the shade, even a 7.8, people might not even feel it in Southern California. Yeah, it's, it's but, so... For, for those of you that are not in California or that haven't spent significant time in California, from San Francisco to LA, it's an hour flight. So mm -hmm. that, uh, and what, like a six hour drive, something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, California is massive, massive, mm -hmm. massive, massive. In fact, uh, I lived in Berkeley and I, I was the, the sales manager for American Modern and my territory went like 
three hours south and that only put me to like Visalia uh -huh. uh, like two hours north to the Oregon border and like two hours uh uh east to uh to Reno mm. uh California is a very 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 large piece of land uh okay awesome so so how... I want to go back and answer yes, a question yes, yes. one of your questions that go I didn't ahead. get a chance to answer which is has the system been tested? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have there been any triggering earthquakes? So Napa, we didn't pay out because we weren't live yet. That was 2014, we went live in 2018. But in 2019, there were two earthquakes in near Ridgecrest, California, that so were big enough to trigger a jumpstart payout zone and a red zone. Ridgecrest is in the middle of the desert, sort of near uh, the Edwards Air Force Base where the space shuttle lands. It's a very low populated area. And so at the time, since we were only a few months into selling our product, we did not have any customers. We did not have the privilege of making any payouts. But uh, within that month, we suddenly had customers located in Ridgecrest. Uh -huh. uh, so, but the point is, even though we haven't made any payouts, the system, the system works. We got the test of the system and, and all the automaticity. So that all has been. Oh, okay, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. By the way, this, this one is, is more of a psychological so the problem with both flood and earthquake is that they happen so rarely that right after an earthquake happens, right after a flood happens, everybody wants insurance. But then a year passes, two years passes, three years passes, and I've paid premium and I've paid premium and I've paid premium and nothing has happened and nobody's forcing me like, like they are with my homeowners and my auto. How do we keep them... And this might be an unanswered question. I'm asking for your thesis on how do we keep people insured for things that you pay every year but happen every 20 years or right that 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 that, that just don't happen often. One of the things that one of the advantages of talking of direct to consumer and especially these follow-up phone calls and having and the disaster preparedness fairs and getting in front of the public and talking to people and, and learning their the perceptions of the everyday person about what they think about insurance. There's absolutely a whole category of people who think about like, I'm not getting anything out of it. Um, they're, I'm not seeing any return from my insurance. And then there's a, on the opposite end of the spectrum, there's people who are like, of course, I'm always going to buy every insurance that's available because I need, you know, a maximum protection. Mm -hmm. And most people are kind of in between of this like sort of recent memory. And if it's recent, the, you know, they'll remember and they'll think they need it. And if it's not so recent, they'll think, oh, I'll take my chances. It's not that they don't believe it's going to happen. That's a common myth among insurance nerds and people who don't necessarily aren't talking to people every single day mm -hmm. think oh people just don't believe the risk they believe the risk but they're also you know getting in their car every single day and the risk of a car accident is always way more high than mm -hmm. the risk of an earthquake right um even with the seatbelt on uh and so people just are taking their calculated risks um so i think that one of the to answer the question like how do we get beyond that we have a lot to learn from industries like video games and dog training, um, which is that small, <laughs> small randomized rewards uh -huh. build loyalty uh -huh. and also like airline points, right? Uh -huh. And so there's a psychological effect uh -huh. of how can we deliver small randomized rewards, right? And interestingly, I think Parametric can 
play a role in this too. I'm not going to say it's a silver bullet, but let's imagine that you had a policy where the major parametric payout was like after a big earthquake, but there were little parametric payouts um, like flight delay parametric insurance. Mm -hmm. But like if there's a, um, let's, let's, let's stay with the earthquake. Um, if there's a little tremor, then you get a hundred bucks or 20 bucks, not really even meant to um, compensate you because you're not really going to have any expenses, it's, but just to prove to you that the, that the system works and not every I single one, but just randomly yeah. as like a loyalty benefit. It's a little it's lottery. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, a little dopamine hit. Yes, exactly. Uh, so you, you said a lot of stuff there. That's super interesting. A lot of topics that, that I find super interesting uh number one gamification i'm a big believer in gamification uh for the listener uh read well first watch her ted talk and then read reality is broken i can't remember the author's name but she's brilliant she's a harvard researcher uh anyway reality is broken my favorite on gamification katie if you have if you have a book on gamification the the different than that one i want to read so let me know Okay. Uh, I, I even use uh, Habitica to gamify my, my life and my, my productivity because in, in, in my world in, in recruiting, I have to make a lot of, of calls to clients and a lot of calls to, to candidates. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's, it's a very long process, especially with carriers. Sometimes I'm calling on carriers for years to eventually get them to use me for a search, right? So I have to find a way to release a little bit of dopamine each, each, each time I, I do the activity that will eventually lead to a sale, right? And I use Habitica to do that. Uh, and, and finally, so hold on, you talked about gamification. Uh, you, you talked about little payouts. What, 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 what other topic did, did, you, did you talk about? Um, I can't remember what other example. I'm still working on my mind reading capabilities. Okay, so uh, okay, <laughs> I, I I'll, I'll let it go for now. But but anyway, gamification is very 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 powerful, and I love the the idea of my earthquake policy refunding me a few bucks here and there exactly. to prove that it is there, right? Right. It's 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 a hey, do renew us uh -huh. because. When the big one happens, if it happens, we are here for you. This is real. This is not UFO insurance. This is real. Uh, awesome. 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 So I always like that. We were kind of running out of time here. I've kept you a long time. Uh, but I always like to ask about the origin story. How did you come up? To, how did you realize this was a problem? And in your case, I'm looking at your LinkedIn. I see that you've got uh, a bachelor's in civil engineering followed by a master's from Stanford in civil engineering. Uh, by the way, University of Minnesota, are you originally from Minnesota? Yeah. I, I happen to be in Minneapolis today, uh, and, and uh, we're heading to, to, to one of the many lakes tomorrow. Uh, so from Minnesota to Stanford for, for, for your master's, uh, uh, how was your first winter in California after, after, a, after a lifetime in Minnesota? Uh <laughs> I wondered why people couldn't drive in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then you got your MBA from, from, from uh, high school of business at, at, at Berkeley. So, so, so clearly you got a, you're, you're, you're a civil engineer by trade, right? All the way to, to the master's level. So how did that lead you to realize there was 
an insurance problem to be solved? Yeah, uh, so the, I did practice as a structural engineer and I'm still licensed as a uh, structural engineer in California. So working with architects to make sure that buildings are safe in earthquakes and people don't die in earthquakes. And, and then I started learning more and more about the overarching theme of disaster recovery and making mm -hmm. why are we wait, why are we building buildings to be safe in earthquakes is because we all need to be able to recover from earthquakes okay well what people need more than just safe buildings to recover from earthquakes they need good governance they need social connectedness mm -hmm. and they need economic stimulus so taking this whole conversation back full circle they need enough money to be able to make the case to stay to plow back and to help their neighbors and that's a huge gap and i had this professional crisis honestly it was like what good are safe buildings if people can't afford <laughs> to stick it out and live in them mm -hmm. so we need to, we're not doing our job as disaster recovery professionals if we're not solving the rest of the problem in in particular the economics so that's really what's what drove me what motivated me to help solve this problem fantastic this has been super super interesting uh super 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 interesting one of my favorite episodes ever uh, absolutely. Thank you for your time. Uh, when it goes live, I will be tagging you on, on LinkedIn uh, to let you know and tagging the company. Uh, I look forward to, to, to have you back uh, in a year or two. Uh, and, and especially, I'd love to have you back uh, once you guys have launched uh, some sort of, in, of earthquake indemnity product and to, to learn how that went and how that's going. And also, uh, once the significant payoffs happen, uh, I, 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 once you've dealt with that, uh, I'd love to, to hear the story of, of how that went and, and, and the people's reactions to, to, to this. And, and, and also, I'm really curious as to whether macroeconomically for the region, uh, whether, like, whether you'll be able to see it in the data, uh, how what you built here actually helped California recover better than last time. Uh, so, so yeah, I, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for, 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 for your time. A, a real pleasure having you on the show. My pleasure, Tony. Take care. Thank you.